Hey everybody, welcome to Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. I really want to thank you for listening. If you feel compelled to do so, make sure you subscribe, uh, leave a review, comment, share, whatever you feel like doing. Help me out trying to grow this podcast, trying to continuously deliver value. A couple of things before we get into the show, check out the links in the show notes to my CRA Academy, my CRC Academy, both of them doing very well as far as getting people jobs in the marketplace. Check those out. Also, if you need help getting studies for your site or anything else, or even launching a site, basically any help for your site, we have a low monthly fee consulting service where we have helped many clients become and continue to be successful site owners through our background efforts of business development and support staff. Text me 949-415-6256. Please check out the links in the show notes as well for the book, The Comprehensive Guide to Clinical Research. It's been selling really well, getting very well received by the community. Thank you guys so much for that. Also check out the YouTube member page. Join this channel to get perks. That's my YouTube uh, membership. It's 10 bucks a month. You get a monthly mastermind exclusively. It's a Zoom call every month with other YouTube members. Uh, You also get weekly videos exclusive to the YouTube members on how to use social media to improve your opportunities in life sciences. So check that out. Really means a lot to me. And thank you so much again for listening and enjoy the show. So Guru Nation, I'm bringing you Brittany Sloan. Yesterday, her and I had like off, obviously it wasn't recorded or you would have seen it. Um, <laughs> we had a good conversation about her organization, her passion for diversity. Black Research Matters is her group. She's going to tell you more about it. At the end of this interview, we're going to have 10 more minutes exclusive content just for Latinos in clinical research channel, where we're going to talk more about similarities between what LICR is trying to do and what Black Research Matters is trying to do. So make sure you go there. All ethnicities welcome, all backgrounds doesn't matter. It's just more content. But for Guru Nation, it's always nice to showcase people doing like ambitious things in this industry. Brittany, welcome. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much. And you guys probably know Ashley Margo, but if not, she's the (laughs) co-host today. And we're going to be asking Brittany a lot of questions about her career um, and really like her share her story of why she decided to start an organization like Black Research Matters, because it's not like you just wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to start an organization (laughs) like out of thin air so right let's get into your career a little bit first Brittany like how did you get into clinical research um so it was a stumble for me um and it it was a good stumble um into around the time of uh the recession um so 20 uh I'll say 20 2007 um Mm -hmm. I um couldn't go back to college. I had a debt against my account. Um, my parents couldn't pay for it. My dad lost his job. 
and I had to get a big girl job. I couldn't do work study anymore. And um, I had a biology background and I had one more semester left to graduate, but obviously I didn't have this degree that's always required for these positions. So I was able to finagle a clinical research position part-time at UNC. And I ended up, I think how a number of people stumble into the field, I ended up being really good at it understanding the basis of how research ran. I was excited to read the protocols, follow them. I'm like typical research person. I'm a type A personality, OCD a little bit. And this was just right up my alley. I was a biology major, but not really quite sure what I wanted to do with that. Like, did I want to do bench lab work? Did I want to go and be a doctor, which I was pretty sure I didn't want to do that. Did I want to do medicine? I was pretty sure I did. I want to go into a softer science, but stumbling upon this was probably the greatest thing that happened for me because I found this this niche of a place that was just ideal and perfect. And then it branched off from there. And so then I went to, of course, the rival Duke and worked over there for a while and did um, wait, wait, data hold on, hold management. On, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> wait, wait. Okay, how did you stumble into it? Because a lot of people are watching right now and they're not going to stumble, right? Because now it's intentional. Like we put it out there in the universe on the internet this is the beautiful thing about this if you're not if you're watching this and you don't have research experience you're not going to stumble into it anymore because now you have awareness so how could they purposely stumble into it and you accidentally yeah. right and that's a good point because those of us who are generally i feel like brown add female add anything onto that and and my age 37 in the early 2000s, you were stumbling into it. Nobody was, there wasn't much of a network and there wasn't much of a way for those who looked like me to be able to promote me into a space, into the space, onto the table, in the table, in the arena. So thank you for making me take a step back because <laughs> yeah, we gotta this generation in this world is different. You know, like there, that's not going to be the struggle necessarily that they're going to have the one that maybe some of us had who are older. Um, so when I say I stumbled, I literally found this position on Craigslist. Wow. So what were and you doing? I like, just, you were just on Craigslist one day, like just searching jobs? Yeah. Gigs? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Before and that, I worked <laughs> at LabCorp. I had always had little um, research related positions like adjacent, right? Like chem lab jobs, or I worked for North Carolina DOT when I was in college, but I needed a position that actually paid real money, not an internship, not a co-op, not something that was associated with the college because I wasn't at that time associated with, with my school because of this debt that I had. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I fought tooth and nail, blood, sweat and tears, waited a long time, tried to file unemployment, and just kept fighting until I found the position. And some, and in some regard, I feel like there's still that. Maybe not now, but I've, I still like within the last five years, I still have felt that. In the last seven years, I've still felt where like I, when I moved from North Carolina to San Diego, the part where I didn't know anybody, I had no network. I really was out there cold calling, cold emailing, trying to find a position. Um, and, and, and so that's what I mean when I talk about the, the stumble into it, um, that I think for me, uh, even though I got into the field, if you go into a totally different area, sometimes I still feel the struggle of maybe like breaking into the industry in that regional area. I'm glad we broke it down because, you know, I mean, in, in many respects, it's 
little bit easier maybe to get in because of the, you know, YouTube and organizations like yours, organizations like ours, YouTube channels, um, different content creators. I mean, it's 2022 is a different world than 2007, but in many respects, and I'm guessing this is one of the reasons you started Black Research Matters. It's definitely one of the reasons we started Latinos in Clinical Research. Mm -hmm. Much still hasn't changed, right? We were talking a little bit about that yesterday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, um, but to say for Black Research Matters, that came later, um, around the idea was around 2016. And it was a, it was, um, my frustration with, uh, my company's leadership and the third parties that we were working with. So, so thank you for giving me that credit. But (laughs) it wasn't until maybe like five or so years ago the thought popped into my head. Now, um, I'm, I'm not, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an evolving extrovert. I used to love to be on the scene and now I like to be in the back. And so as I was thinking of this concept, this space, well, first let me take a step back. So let's talk about Black Research Matters real quick. Black, Black Research Matters is a safe space free of criticism and judgment for Black people specifically to learn more about research with the purposes of strengthening the community by the individual becoming a better informed decision maker in the future. So, so that's a mouthful, but the purpose of all of that, creating this safe space was, was so intentional, a response from what I was noticing within the field of, of, of recruitment and just general awareness of what a, a demographic or a cultural group outside of general white American would look like and how do you um, encourage these populations to have discussions about around research, thus encouraging participation. There wasn't that. There was just there was just uh, recruitment material that had a black person on it or recruitment material that had an Asian person on it. And and it was just giving the same information, not even understanding that there's a, a we're talking about equity here. Like there's a lack of connection and um, uh, resources for people to, of color generally to even understand what MRI is and why we're doing one for testing and for $20, I'm supposed to take my time, my day off to go up there. Like the, the, the purpose isn't, wasn't necessarily driven home to our demographics and nobody cared. Honestly, nobody cared. That's the worst part. That's the worst part. Nobody cared. Let's come back to that, but okay. Sorry. I interrupted you before about Duke. So let's continue with Duke. Um, so I go on to Duke, yes, and um, I, I do data management there for prostate cancer. Um, when I was at UNC prior to Duke, it was breast cancer, um, and then went on to Duke and did data management and prostate, and then moved on to another Duke position and did um, um, head, neck, and throat cancers, lung cancers wow. as well. Um, was a research coordinator in that position, um, and then from there moved to another Duke position, but I did animal research, uh, business management. I ran the office. If anybody's familiar with the eye of cook, it's the animal research world. Um, and you are a uh, generalist. You yeah. are, you're a I am. Generalist. I am. <laughs> so why are you also very awesome. organized? I can see it. Like, you know, you're getting all these, you've seen all the loopholes and you just kind of like come in and figure them out. Yeah. I totally vibe with in you. my career, absolutely. <laughs> I can say that. But at the time I was like, where are we going? Like, why, what are we doing? Like to myself, Brittany, what are we doing here? Like all these are all connected. Yes. 
Um, but like, how is this really going to benefit me? And I'm, I'm happy to be here in this position. But so then from that Duke position in the animal research uh, role, I went on to, I moved out to San Diego and took a position with UCSD University of um, California, San Diego. And then that transitioned over to a role, my colleagues and I to um, USC. We were still in San Diego, but um, our, our um, academic affiliation was USC. And in that role, I was a regulatory affairs specialist. So then I moved over into regulatory, um, a position I hadn't been in yet. Did that for seven years, like I said. And then in January, I got bit by whatever that um, millennial uh, great resignation bug was. And I quit my job and I moved back to North Carolina. And now I live in Charlotte and um, I am in the process of going back to work and um, working on Black Research Matters in the meantime. That's amazing. So your background, the fact that you've done so many things is gonna like you've, and you've already been a mentor I'm guessing to so many, and we're going to get into Black Research Matters too, like some of the specifics, but I think that's such a powerful asset that you have. You've done coordinating, you've done data management, you've done regulatory affairs, you've done animal studies, you've done business, you've done basically almost everything there is in this industry. So if somebody approaches you like from a different angle, you have the right context Mm-hmm. to give them appropriate right. advice which i think is like right. severely lacking in this industry is like an industry of special hyper specialization you yeah. know to find a generalist i tell people all the time on my channel like try to become a generalist nobody is nobody wants to hire a generalist but everybody wants somebody who knows how to do something at a certain period of time right so you're always going to be in demand absolutely especially i think yeah. to add to what dan said is that nowadays you have this selling point where everybody's a specialist everybody knows and everybody this everybody that but really it's it's about finding those individuals like you say on the background and I can uh, I can definitely feel you on that because that's I'm I was always in organizations growing up and very extroverted and I've actually and I've told Dan this multiple times like in the background that since all this has happened I find myself much more having fun being the backgrounds creating finding the purpose Mm -hmm. and formulating right um, and so I think right now, one of the biggest issues is that there's so many, I'm not going to say false advertisers out there, but it's just, they don't have the background that people really need. You know, yeah. uh, it's important that somebody comes in with actual, you know, face to facts of what they can provide. Right. And so when Dan you know, spoke to me about you and I looked you up on LinkedIn, I was just like, oh my God, you have so much to offer. And then we're hearing your story um, really, as Dan was saying, generalization about the work and overall scope that's major because you can see and be the living testament to how somebody can transition easily how can they can maneuver based off of their skill set you know and really i think ultimately that's what people need they need to see they need to have confidence in whoever's helping them but it's also to showcase that it is possible right right yes and google is a great tool um i know people refer in highlight and shout out the internet all the time but as people are trying to build their resume out um there are so many tools like dan said maybe in the early 2000 i mean 
piggybacking off of what Dan said, I'm saying maybe in the early 2000s, there wasn't much of that. Um, but you can literally put in like clinical research, CV, templates, something along those lines to get an idea of what you need to do or also being spoon fed. And I'm saying that because I've been spoon fed over the summer as I update my CV. Um, and, and it's a lot, it's a lot more, um, the information is a lot more accessible. I wouldn't say easy, but it's it's a it's a lot more accessible to get to, um, in hopes that it'll turn it into a career for somebody. Pro people tip. are people are more spoiled <laughs> now because they have like everything handed to them. But it's almost like, in a way, it could be more confusing. Also, um, you know, one of the things that turns people off are job postings. Like people only I know because I'm on TikTok, like answering comments. People <laughs> will. People think that only the jobs they see being posted are what's being hired. And I always tell them, like, research sites, small ones like mine, we don't post. doesn't mean we're not hiring. Somebody walked in and reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, hey, you know, I, I see the Yuma clinical trials. Like, how can I help? People need to do more networking and not just rely on, oh, well, on this job posting, it said two years of experience and I only have one year and a half. So I'm not even going to apply. I get that yeah. attitude so often and I wanted to expand on what you said earlier about it seems like people don't care, especially when it comes to minorities getting careers in this industry. I don't know how that is still the case. It, literally every week there's a conference or a seminar or a Zoom. We had one earlier with Ashley with a major CRO on this topic. So there's, at least there's a perception of effort, but when you talk to people in the know, like you, you're saying no, people don't care. So well, I actually meant, I actually meant, um, uh, people in the field of clinical research don't care about expanding um, uh, recruitment and retention outside of like the effort of just changing the face on the recruitment materials, but and also. Dan, you are correct in that um, uh, one of the reasons why this is happening is that we have a lack of representation in the field in general. And if people of color saw people who look like them of all shades and spoke the languages and talked with the funk and all the stuff, that they would be more comfortable to participate because somebody was there like them. The same thing with Obama, the Obama effect of him being president. Um, so, so to, to your point, even more so that is a problem and, um, to say it as plainly as possible without being, um, PC, yes, they know that it's a problem. They, they, I'm saying they, all the powers that be, we'll put them all in one four letter word, they, they know it's a problem. They've created this DEI initiative and nobody's holding anybody accountable of what that actually looks like. Okay, they came out with these DEI initiatives, if you ask me personally, um, uh, around the, the time of George Floyd and his passing. And, um, and that was well and good. And I hope a lot of us were paying attention to what they said their talking points were going to be. You know what I mean? Because two years post, this is when you look at them and you, and you say to them, you said that you were going to elevate the platform on X, Y, and Z. How are you doing that? How are you measuring and where are you at now? Where are you at now? You know what I mean? And like, so I think the thing is, is that like, not that we wanted to, there was just a lot going on at the time. Okay. Cause COVID we heard that they had these DEI, um, 
missions. And, and now two years later, I think it's fair for us to begin to ask, like, what does that look like? What data results, what data points have you created? You know, because I think what we're going to see as we've been seeing it play out is that it's a bunch of lip service. Yeah, it's a bunch of rhetoric. I mean, my, my yeah, question was really like more rhetorical in the sense that like, how is it possible on the one hand, there's this rhetoric you know, like you said, since basically 2020, that we want change in all these initiatives. And on the other hand, we're not seeing similar results, despite more running on the same hamster wheel. Yeah. You know? Well, my friend, I mean, this is a conversation that really comes down to the racism that is in research. And if we're not going to have that honest conversation, then it's just going to be tense like this forever. Let's do I it. I mean, that's Let's the realness. <laughs> that's the realness of it. You know, like the reason they're uncomfortable is because, and I'm saying I'm, I'm biracial. My mom is white and my dad is black. So, so I've had these tense conversations often. And the reason they're uncomfortable is because a couple of, a couple of things. I think a lot of people I'm talking about, in this field, there's going to be like a lot of older white people, generally older white men. I think generally they feel like maybe guilt or shame associated with it, but also a lot of anger and rage and displacement of that and not really quite sure where to put it. And, and like giving, giving, it's a concession in a way for some reason to like, to like give up this power. It's a power dynamic now that I've said it out loud. And um, so we say that there's a problem and I'm saying this from, from experience, Brad was on this, uh, uh, this, this, um, love that guy. platform with me over. Yes. That's how I found out about Hightower. you. That's how I found out yes. about Thank you. you. Podcast. I mean, yeah, I'm glad you said that. He's a, he's a great guy. Shout out to, um, the podcast. Um, but, uh, over the summer, we were on this um, clubhouse meeting um, that was to discuss um, how to break down. It was a coalition that was created with the intention of addressing DEI in research. I'm not really quite sure with clinical trialists or was it on the participant side? And let's say just both. Um, I was invited to speak on behalf of Black Research Matters and I ended up having to go first. I had never been in this space before. And the question that day was about um, how, so, something to the regards of, let's talk about justice. How do we, how do we identify that in research? How do we quantify it? How do we deal with it? And how do we fix it, get it going or whatever? And basically my, my positioning was, if we're not going to talk about the racism in research and we're not going to talk about those issues, then we can't talk about justice. We can't talk about justice until we talk about injustice. Like where in the hell did that even come from for us to even have to discuss and dialogue about justice? Obviously something happened, right? So like we should start where the problem was. And they did not like that. They did not like that. The whole group and the whole panel did not like what I had to say. I was quoted as boiling the ocean, making it hot for no reason, bringing in issues that aren't related. And he was asking, he clarified and asked that he was asking for more of like a technical perspective perspective like where how <laughs> clinical research and I'm like but that's still the answer you know like I've been in the field for a minute I'm a black woman I'm black I'm a woman I'm in research like I have the perspective to say that we have to talk about the real conversation is this really touchy uncomfortable thing that we don't want to discuss in this country that's that's insane honestly <laughs> I mean part of the reason why I really love um, like our platform right is because of the fact that you know you can't uh, 
You can, and, and that's what I'll, I'll, so I'm in research, but I've also been in the clinical field. It's almost completely the same. And it's, um, it's kind of a thing where it's just, you know, we can talk about it, but surface talk, let's, let's, you know, pillow talk it or however you want to, however you want right. to put it. And it's, it's annoying because again, the conversations won't be had. So here, I love that we can bring up the very uncomfortable topics. Like, like I've been in uncomfortable topics. I'm full Latina, but I look Caucasian. So some would say I would have, you know, the benefit of looking full Caucasian, right? So I've had those right. uncomfortable conversations and things like that. And it's good to have them because you you have a different perspective on like where people are coming from and how you play into all of that. And so one thing that I personally feel um, where I come from um, a long line of very strong single women in my family. Mm-hmm. And um, I was always taught, you know, you, you pretty much, you make the path for yourself. And so um, growing up, I've always kind of been in those types of roles, like said organizations and things like that. So when Dan came to us about LICR, it was very much like, well, we created the organization, but when we started reaching out to these organizations, we started seeing that there really wasn't much communication. It was dragged on communication. It was like, let's, let's have introductions so we can save face. But mm-hmm. months later, where are we at? There's, there's nothing happening. And that's how we came up with the university and clinical research because we said, okay, well, if there's an issue of hiring this and that, well, let's let's create the solution. And then that solution brought upon other solutions. So now we have this scenario where we almost have a full 360 solution to so many things. And when we bring it up to them, it's like, all right, here, you don't want to have the conversations. All right, cool, that's fine. But now here's your solution. You always say, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to come across? Well, now there's an actual solution. And it's in, now it's partially controlled by a very diverse background of people. Right. We can actually have a say on the future movement forward as opposed to, okay, if they don't want to have the dialogue, I mean, you know, whatever. It's just let's move forward. And and even then, it's still so hard. There's so much red tape and it's it's ridiculous. I I that's something that I personally get upset about and I struggle about. This is a conversation we keep going on. And when we have these conversations with the organization separately, I get very heated in the topics yeah. because it's 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 dumb it's really dumb and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that you have to go through that openly in an actual club uh clubhouse recording that's that's insane that's okay i took it like a g i took it like a g you're like okay, Brad. okay i took it fine i took it just <laughs> i was hot but so but, was that clubhouse um, yeah. before or after you started black research matter that's something i did want to ask Brittany. when so when exactly did you start it because I know you said it was December an idea. December 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it took a while to come. Come, t- no, it didn't take a while. A while for me to come to me. It took a while for me to act upon it, um, because I kept saying to myself, "There are, there's somebody out here who has an organization like this." Like I'm stupid to think that I'm the only person in the U.S. in 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 this land of like polar racist opposites always occurring no matter where you are in USA. Like somebody came up with an organization where black people can talk about research and learn some stuff with the purposes. And and what's really important to me about uh, Black Research Matters is that I'm not here telling people to go vote or to go do X, Y, and Z or to participate in research. My job is just to give you the information for us to talk about it. And I trust that you are smart enough to make your own decisions. So that in when, 
we are you are approached to participate in research, whether just on the street, it's a survey, or you were at the ER, or you went to a doctor's appointment, and some cute little thing is coming up. Like, do you want to participate in this little research and got blood work and can give you a coupon? You know what you're getting yourself into. You know the questions that ask, and the consent form doesn't look crazy. Yeah. Un unusual to you, you know, and, and you're okay with these words and the terms or you feel confident to and comfortable to ask questions. I think a lot of times with with um, not just with black people, but with minorities, because we don't have access to resources and because we're always on the go. I think of it as Maslow's, hi Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you've ever seen that, the bottom is um, like your most essential needs and they go up from there and the top is like something like self-actualization. Most people who are minorities don't live much past this bottom level where we have to get our essential needs. So we don't have much of the opportunity to have these conversations and to sit here and dialogue about this stuff. So then that goes into our lack of participation, whether historically we find out things from like the ski study or other studies that have been, that have, uh, been conducted by US scientists or doctors or medical professionals that were in our harm um, or or just not having access to, to materials and, um, and services to even be turned on to stuff like that. So uh, I think that was my long answer to say, I'm just here to provide the information, to give the information so people can discern for themselves, how would you, when and if you are presented with research, how will you move forward? And also let's start to have this conversation in the house. You know, like uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, Easter, those are big holidays for black people. And we're talking about a lot of stuff. And I'm so glad that we're finally talking to each other about um, uh, like healthcare, like going to the doctor and stuff like that. Um, and I'm looking forward to expanding that out into um, what that looks like in terms of like research participation, feeling comfortable, feeling confident. Because when you're a minority in this country, like you said, you have to feel confident to blaze your own trail, like you said, to do your thing, to do your thing. And to, and to feel comfortable in that, even though you don't have a PhD or you're not familiar with it, you have to come off with that confidence. And so for, for Black Research Matters, that's the space that I want to have for people, Black people to feel confident, to ask the questions that they need to ask. Let's talk about biorepository, okay? Let's talk about what that term means. Let's talk about what it means to keep your data indefinitely. What does that look like? Where is it at? Um, if you don't want to be in the trial anymore, who do you contact? What does that really mean? What does it really mean when they tell you, you can take this home, this consent, you can take this home and you can talk about that. Understanding and doubling down triple times over that participants at any time can tap out. Like at any time you don't want to do this and you don't like being here and you don't like the question that they ask, you can say, I want to leave right now. You do not have to stay. You know, these these essential things that people need to know and understand and hear when it comes to participating in research primarily because of what has been done to us historically in the past. Yeah, being very uh, subservient. I know that for Latinos, it's a lot of it is like, you know, respect. So you stay quiet and you listen right. and, and, you know, um, yeah, just insane. But I, uh, one of the things that you just mentioned about um, your organization that I love is that you're here to just provide the resources. And that's really what the basis of LICR is as well. We want to provide and give, like, that's really all we, we're doing is just giving yeah. we're not you know taking or anything like that it's for the sake of understanding that where we all came from and and like you know that um me judy and uh, monica are latina dan is romanian and chris is caucasian we <clears throat> and our ambassadors we're bringing on more we want um have a, a large wide variety of uh representation latinos in clinical research we are focused 
primarily, <clears throat> excuse me, primarily, sorry, on Latinos because of the language barrier, right? And there was nothing there. And even that goes even further than that because there's many language barriers that are obviously ever, all over, right? When it comes to research, but we are open to all ethnicities and we do have um, a lot of Afro uh, Latinos as well as uh, mm -hmm. some African Americans in our group. And I think it would be, very great to be able to um, at some times if you are open to having you know open dialogue conversation right because we are two different um, you know culture backgrounds right and how the perspective comes together so I think that that would actually be really great so our members uh, can also you know cross over as well to your organization because it may be yeah. just as helpful if not more so yeah a lot of shared experiences here for sure a yeah hundred percent and so we really we really appreciate what you're doing um, I really love you know what your what the foundation of your organization is based on because really uh, thank you yeah because you know ultimately we can ascend as high as we want right because of the connections we have and the experience we have but it's we don't want to do that what do they call the the crab in the bucket effect right we want to make sure mm -hmm. we're we're going back and pulling somebody out as opposed to allowing them to get pulled back in and so in order to do that we really have to be there for our community and um shed light on what's out there because it's the only way to bring more people in right so i uh, really appreciate you sharing everything about your organization yeah and thank before you. we go before we go like 10 minutes extended <clears throat> session on our latinas and clinical research channel Brittany, just for guru nation in general as a generalist you know somebody watching right now saying wow you know this i'm so glad like i'm on this channel and let me get some advice from Brittany." on how do I enter clinical research? Like I have no experience. Maybe my confidence is not very high, <clears throat> like you were saying. So what are some things they can do right now to improve their chances? Yeah, I, um, I am, I think that that's always to this person. That is always the evolution of a person in clinical research is always the case. So Fear not, I and others like me who are out here looking for a position who have been in the field for 15, 16 years, you still have to mold yourself with the times. So what the ask is, is even without your, even without somebody having experience in the field, look at the job description and find, figure out what transferable skills, what skills you already have or you think you're good at and highlighting those either in the cover letter or, or getting yourself prepared for the interview or just for self-confidence purposes. Sometimes I look at job descriptions and maybe I don't apply, but like in my mind, I'm practicing what that would look like. Um, they want something that's just outside of my realm. They want a 15 year PhD. I'm like, well, I mean, no, but like I'm analytical and I can, uh, you know, disseminate, like I'm trying to think of things and, and I'm a far shot. No, don't hire me for that, you know, but, but getting in the practice of always highlighting and embracing your abilities mm -hmm. and that'll, that'll make you feel more comfortable in these interview spaces as somebody who hates fears, interviews and public speaking and stuff like that. Um, it gets you more comfortable and familiar with like, you, who you are and selling that I don't I hate interviews because you have to they get in there and they're like so tell me about yourself quickly and you have <laughs> to say the greatest stuff about yourself as fast as possible so you can get this job and you we don't need money <laughs> so so I think it's 
for somebody getting into the field, um, I think fear not because even though those of us who are in the field, we may it may look as if we're we're going about things just fine. But I think all of us know when it comes time to look for a new position, you have to you have to zhuzh up your resume. You have to change the wording depending on the the company or the the academic institution, some things have to go and some things have to change. And it's just that, like re reevaluating your resume, using different words. Google is so great right now for that um, because I just updated my CV and changing, using a thesaurus, changing certain words um, that HR systems are going to catch quicker than, than you using um, coordinated. Um, maybe you navigated, you know what I mean? So those things matter. And, and I think as people play around with their CVs and their resumes, you feel more confident in your work because you actually have this place where you can display all of that. And, and you just highlighted yourself. And now, now look at you, like, you know, an hour or two later, now you're a clinical research professional on paper, or now you can present that way, or now you can, now you can begin to feel confident in that space because you've taken these office management skills and found a way to bring them into research admin. You know what I mean? Like having the ability to, I guess, you know, filing and organ general organization that can be useful in TMS. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And and so I think if you if one wants to get into the field um, and you're new or it's a crossover experience where you're coming from somewhere else, you'll have to be very patient with yourself. Dan and I, you and I talked. Dan, you and I talked about this yesterday. How difficult it is to get into the field, first of all, and. Um, and so, and so there's that. So bravo for somebody for, for wanting to get in. Um, so be patient and, and keep looking over your resume and getting comfortable with what it feels like to, to explain who you are and explain how you're going to be valuable to um, the organization. And now, now, and you uh, sound exactly like the advice from Ashley Margot, but uh, now we can add <laughs> networking, right? Black research networking. matters. Latinos and clinical Absolutely. Research. And we will send over, I mean, we at the Academy, we come across many students that, you know, um, are looking for organizations and even more so because they're already going through their own financial struggle, right? Um, because we've all been there. So yeah. I will definitely, as I get my clients and my students, I will definitely be sending them over to you as I know that you guys are free and, um, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be a great opportunity. So I'm, I'm, again, I'm very happy that uh, came across you. Thank you. Yeah, thank me you so too. And Brittany, Brittany, thank you so much. Stay on, both of you guys. Ten more minutes. We'll do extended for Latinos and Clinker Research YouTube channel. If you're watching on my channel, just go to Latinos and Clinker Research. Watch the ten minutes. We're gonna go a little more in depth inside baseball of the two organizations, similarities, shared shared values, things like that. Uh, but Brittany, thank you so much for coming on. Brittany's LinkedIn is underneath this video, and if you're listening, all right, in the show notes. Same with Ashley Margot right here <laughs> ashley uh so links in the show notes thank you very much like subscribe comment share and more content latinos and clunker research